0: That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
1: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, where our goal is to
3: make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The
4: show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and
5: more.
3: By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And <laughs> yes, we know we say like a lot. It's
5: kind of the point,
4: because <laughs> politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Um, I think I know what I'm getting you for this holiday season, Samantha. What? Oh, I know.
3: I know what you're going to say, but do tell. Do enlighten (laughs) me. A George Santos cameo, of course. You are too good to me. That, (laughs) it just, it warms my heart. I can't wait to open it. This is going to be the best Merry Christmas, New Year's Palooza. (laughs) of all time dude i can't get over them they're so funny like obviously everyone's screen recording theirs and like putting them on tiktok i can't get enough them like i know it's bad for democracy i know people should not be buying them because it's giving him money is it so bad
4: for democracy
3: probably somewhere. I don't have the brain capacity <laughs> to even think more in depth about it than that. And it's like very surface level capacity. But like
4: Botox and filler comments he made. The promise like, is so
3: relatable. He's
4: so relatable. He really seems to be for the girls and the gays, except like he hasn't been obviously for the past couple of years being in Congress and being a conservative asshole. But it's funny. I saw this movie and was like, is George Santos about to be like the next reality star, like camp gay icon? Because I don't think we can have that. <laughs> but it's like now no, that he's literally. out, if he wants to rebrand and be this like can't be gay queen, like I'm honestly into it.
3: Well, I can't. Get he should just of do it, full so.
4: expose too. Like if he loves the drama and the attention, expose the fuck out of all of your former colleagues, please,
3: please. Well, he's been. Ooh, that was not English. He's beginning to do so or was on Twitter. I've only seen some like screenshots because your girl does not do the Twitter. But no, a tell-all book, all the secrets, all the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. by all means. Like if you're going to try and burn down the building, you might as well finish the job. Like, Yeah. And if he's trying to monetize, up. I
4: have 101 ideas for him. So... Mm-hmm just saying he's
3: you know what it is and this is so bad to say he is so much more interesting to me than Anna Delvey like I always call him like the Anna Delvey of politics politics. but she really gives me the creeps and I know it's like obviously part of his mastery of manipulation but he doesn't give me the creeps like I just find him hilarious and obviously off his rocker but not in a way that like gives me like chills down my spine whereas like in the few audio interviews of Delphi like i genuinely get like chills like there's something yeah, like, so totally. darkly off and not that like what he did isn't dark and all the various things but on his level like some of the sound bites even the video of him saying i know you guys want a sound bite like the whole <laughs> fucking program is so good the roundups the i was texting you this like i'm like i'm gonna miss the guy like Not just from like a fodder perspective. Made for fame. From Made for fame, pure entertainment. I also think the times we live in are so dark right now in so many capacities Mm -hmm. that while, and again, in essence, what he did, not even in essence, what he did was wrong. And I don't side with like what he did or anything. His ridiculousness is so absurd and spoofy and ridiculous and almost like light in a weird way that it feels like such the like breath of fresh air. Maybe that's the wrong phrase, like something that just can make you like actually crack up and like crack a smile. You know what I mean? Yep. And like for fucking (laughs) sure. Oh, and while we're just on this ramble, did you see that the book that just came out about him is being optioned for a movie by HBO? No. Somebody read this week's newsletter. I'm sorry, I've been busy today. <laughs> but
4: I didn't even know there was books. That also just tells you again, don't forget how I'm another rock.
3: True. But also you'll lol because I was in this bookstore this weekend. And what you call it, first off, I'm like, you know, you can always find me in like the politics social sciences area. And I see the book that's the George Santos book. And I'm like, OMG. I don't even need to read this because we witnessed this entire thing, but also interesting that this is officially out and it was next to cat calvin's book and How i they? so badly wanted to like take it and put it in front but then i was like i'm going to get in trouble you know i'm such a people pleaser so i but regardless cat calvin representation at the bookstore i was very happy to see it you guys have not listened to that episode yet go do it it's one of our faves both episodes are two of our faves actually and the book book's totally. good our oh. favorite children some may say A thousand percent. They are the Mm -hmm. favorites. They will be getting the best Christmas presents.
4: Yeah, for sure. And the most. Yeah. I mean, this George Santos transformation is going to be interesting to watch. And I think like, but such a relief about it all is that there is, you know, a weight off of, off of our shoulders. There is a sigh of relief that can be had because he's no longer in our largest governing body and now can really just like be his true crazy self. And we get to just like watch it for the entertainment. And for that reason, I'm excited.
3: No, like for that reason I'm that. In. I can't stop laughing just <laughs> thinking about the one he did for Senator Menendez. And he didn't know, apparently. So Fetterman, for those that don't know, Fetterman bought a cameo of George Santos for Senator Menendez, who is like being investigated for all this crazy corruption shit. Right. And we just like it's like the perfect herring situation. Mm-hmm. And I guess George Santos didn't know that like Bobby was Bob Menendez when he did the cameo. He thought he yeah. was just like, Bob like the haters gonna hate, like stick with <laughs> it. Like they're gonna come yep. for you, but you got this. I can't. It's so it's too good. I wanna know how much oh, and, money he's racked up so far. Uh apparently 40,000.
4: Not bad. For like what, 48 hours?
3: Probably. Ridiculous. I also saw that Nebraska State Senator Megan Hunt, former guest girl and got the podcast, also was gifted a bond. I think from a friend. I wasn't quite sure, but I saw it on the it's yeah, we're on Threads, guys. B two dubs. Go find us there. We occasionally have fun.
4: Maybe we should buy um, one, as girl on the gov, and like include it in an episode or in a newsletter, and just say to all the girl in the gov listeners, from George Santos, happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's going to be our last episode of this year. <laughs>
3: don't release anything else
4: (laughs) yeah it's just like a two-minute episode of george santos maybe he'll just come on the show for us honestly
3: that'd be great well did you also see sorry why am i literally this is the only news i've absorbed apparently he's also gonna go on ziwi oh yes i saw that that's gonna
4: be iconic you know if he's at that caliber already i'm worried he won't you know respond to our request but
3: which okay. honestly, guys, that should inspire you to share this podcast with everyone <laughs> you know and get us on put it level. on your stories. Yeah, like we help us grow the show, help us get to a level where we can have George Santos. on the show.
4: Dreams. <laughs> That's what dreams are made of right
3: there. Uh, thank you, Lizzie McGuire. You are just too mm-hmm. helpful.
4: Yeah, it's really yeah. not out of reach. You know, we've had members of Congress and former members of Congress True. on our show. So well, he has speaking actually
3: table. of George Santos's race or yes. his former seat, we actually have had two people that are were gunning and are gunning for that seat. So for details. Yep. You guys may remember that we had former congressman, congressman at the time, Tom Swazey on, and he at the time was running for governor in New York, so he was giving up his seat, hence how George Santos sl- slimed his Lithered. way into the seat. Slithered. slimed. <laughs> what is he, a slug? <laughs> Maybe. I can't. He probably does Maybe. slug every night.
4: And for, like, my parents who are listening, mayor. like, that's not a sexual term. It's a skincare term. So just wanted to clarify. Mm-hmm. Facts.
3: That is <laughs> that is actually a really good clarification. Um, yeah, I
4: think it was an important one.
3: Anyways, slugging and slithering. However, he made it. He did. And in the meantime, obviously, people were like, "WTF? What is going on?" And so, our friend Zach, who founded the Next Fifty, which like really like works to get young people elected to Congress and so on and other positions as well, he decided to put his hat in the ring, and then decided to take his hat out of the ring, but he did come on the show to talk all about Awesome the Next 50 so definitely check out the episode and you guys should get involved with what they're up to and all that and then as he dropped and decided, you know what, let's do something else, former congressman Tom Swazi decided to be like, "You know what? I want my seat back. Let's do this shit." And now he. Oh, so we we're is very involved Democratic in the pick. district, and so again, it's just we more
4: have more a, involved in more More reason district. why George Santos needs to come on our show. It's just, guys, we're so involved in New York district. What's the number? I want to say it's thirteen. We're gonna go with thirteen. <laughs> Not sure if that's right,
3: but please fact check. Nonetheless, us. please fact check us.
4: It's just the set. The stars seem to be aligning,
3: and great next included does that help people for my long island people Mm, there we go there it is well speaking of guests we
4: have one Mm. today
3: we do and this guest (laughs) wow she's she's (laughs) sly she's what is with me in the s words today she's segwaying she's slugging i can't okay anyways our guest is actually super awesome unlike george santos anyways moving on to our actual guest not george santos guys our guest today is Rudy Garrett. She is the VP for Alliance for Union Action. She is so fucking fun. We did not want to end this episode. Like we actually could have stayed on for hours and hours and so excited for you guys to jump in. This episode is like your 2024 voter prep guide. Like you have a friend that's like not really sure what the hell is going on in 24. Send this episode to them. You want to get refreshed yourself on like how to get up to speed on you know, registering to vote, how to prep for elections, making that voter plan—all those things. This is going to be that episode you save and you go back to time and time again. But yeah, again, and when like, we will be pushing out like a hundred times next year, like you guys are going to be like, we know.
4: Well, and I mean, primary season is like literally upon us. It's weeks away, if you can believe that. So now is the time for this episode and to be sending it to friends so that people are not only ready for November of next year but for these early months, because there is voting that needs to happen. So
3: no, literally the level to which some of these primaries are so early bird. I know it's nuts. I can't, I could honestly go on a whole rant about that, but I will keep the people from that rant for now to a later date, to a later time getting into this episode without further ado here is Rudy. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to gov.com or visiting this episode's description.
4: If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging
3: through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days, tailored specifically to the political space.
4: Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral.
3: And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content.
4: And number three in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting. We are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice.
3: So head to com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with Customize This and Personalize That, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each
4: and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. PROSE covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health.
3: They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf.
4: And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one in a million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, a.k.a. the gold standard in research studies, PROS proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money
3: back. PROS is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. pros.com slash girlandgov.
1: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt.
3: Rudy, welcome to Girl in the Gov, the podcast. We are so excited to have you.
1: Thank you
5: so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm like fangirling a little bit, not going to (laughs) lie.
3: Okay. All right. Find me fainting. (laughs) We will absolutely be putting this in the Girl in the Gov Hall of Fame, which I'm now inspired to, you know, quote, unquote, build. It'll be a digital Hall of Fame.
5: Yes, absolutely.
3: <laughs> well, we want to get into so many different things, but looking at 2024 and getting prep for elections. And of course, this kind of will be like 2024 and beyond because it's you always should be prepared. So you are the VP at Alliance for Youth Action, which obviously connects the dots between all of these topics. Can you explain what you guys do there, what the the mission is and all of that mission goes?
5: Sure, absolutely. So the Alliance for Youth Action is a nationwide organization of 19 grassroots affiliates that all focus on youth civic engagement work in some way. Uh, A common thread that binds us is democracy work, so making sure young people have better access to the ballot box and to their local governing officials. And each organization has their own issues because we know that young people are not a monolith. So each organization kind of puts their own secret sauce into it of the issues that young people in their area care about, the things that they need to see get done. But together, we come together to create the Alliance for Youth Action and Alliance for Youth Organizing, respectively, and work to drive youth voter turnout in the upcoming elections. So that's what we're all about.
4: Amazing music to our ears. We love to hear it. Yeah. Well, just backing up a little bit, we'd love to know too, just kind of how you personally got your start in politics. We're always curious to hear the origin stories of our guests just because they are so wide-ranging.
5: That's very true. And I will say I did stumble into organizing. I had no idea what youth organizing was. I came to the Alliance for Youth Action by way of our local Chicago affiliate, Chicago Votes. So I graduated from college in 2013, dating myself. And Mm -hmm. I... And I'm a Midwestern girl. I'm from Indiana originally, but I live in Chicago. Chicago, Illinois has been my home for the last decade. And I actually moved here to go to culinary school. So I graduated from college with oh. a degree in political science. And I love cooking and politics. Those are like my passions in life. That. That right? Who doesn't want to argue over some good food? I'm just saying. Um <sighs> So I moved to Chicago to go to culinary school and that actually never panned out, never got to go. But I was I got into culinary school and I needed to find a job to pay for it. So I was bouncing around from job to job and I ended up working at a law firm in the city and was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I could use my degree to like maybe I want to go to law school. But I found out that is not what I want to do at all. That is not that was not my my path in politics or into politics i actually was on idealist.org because that's where you go to find like the good jobs like the good people <laughs> jobs right and i found this organization called chicago boats and they were looking for an organizing director and i was like you know what i'm gonna bless <laughs> this nonprofit with my skills uh, yes. because my closet is color coordinated my paper clips and binder clips <laughs> don't mix so mm-hmm. i know what organizing is oh uh, my gosh I- that's so funny had no idea what I was getting into, but I did an internship with them. I applied. They were like, you don't, you're not qualified for this job, but we have something for you. You're a young person, you're interested in politics, and you believe in the power of young people and your peers to make a positive change. And that's what you're looking for. So come to an internship with us. And I stayed at that organization for nine years and they could not get rid of me no matter how (laughs) hard they tried. And that's kind of like how I, I got brought into this world of youth organizing. I was Coordinating train takeovers and voter registration drives at night, and working at a law firm during the daytime as like a a sales assistant processing paperwork. So that's how I got into the movement. They offered me a job. I became a lead fill organizer, and it's in the books from there. I've I've been one hundred percent invested and bought into the youth organizing movement ever since. That's how I got here.
3: Okay, question: What yes. dish do you think is the best dish to make to unify people?
5: Mm -hmm. My first, because you know, if you've done any kind of work on campaigns, pizza is currency. So Mm -hmm. I mean, even thinking about the words that you use for money, dough, cheese, like, and then (laughs) if you're cool and hip, you have sauce. So put all those things together. Mm -hmm. And that's like, like liquid gold in organizing. So I would say pizza is really great because you can make your own, put whatever toppings you want on it in the same way that you can like build a ballot. So for me, pizza. Pizza and pasta, man. That's where you go. Yeah. Definitely. That's the quickest way to the heart for me, at least. (laughs) Seriously.
3: That's like I don't trust someone that doesn't like pizza. You know what I mean? Like there's something a little like off. You're like, do you? And there's so many varieties. Like I can understand if you're like not a sauce person, you only like, you know, a white pizza with a lot of ricotta, but but no pizza. I also like I
4: I was thinking about this recently. I was like, what? I mean, ideally in a perfect world, I would love to not work in politics forever. You know, I want to like put the work in and like make this beautiful world. And then we like never have to touch it again. And I was like, I would love to like retire and be just like open a cute little bakery or something. wholesome. And now I'm like, you got to go back to culinary school at some point. Once we solve all (laughs) the world's problems, then we're all just going to like have
5: these wholesome little like cooking jobs reflect on remember when it was hard and we did when we we didn't have all the problems solved and now we can just reminisce on the struggle that it took to get here exactly. that, that would be perfect mm-hmm. over some wine and pizza it's a win here
3: for it yeah
4: have you guys seen that movie with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin where they're like exes and then they basically have an affair with each other <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know her life where she's like has this bakery and like this beautiful home I'm like that's That's what I want later in life. Anyways, there's our (laughs) rabbit hole that we were warning you about, (laughs) but you also founded uh, Parade to the Polls. Can you tell us a little bit about this and kind of what we can also look to in 2024?
5: Yeah, right the polls. absolutely. So I founded Parade to the Polls when I was a wee baby organizer, when I had mm-hmm. to walk uphill both ways in the snow with no shoes way back in the day <laughs> in 20. I believe the, the largest iteration was in 2015, though the initial beginnings started at a local Chicago high school. It was during democracy week. We were coming in registering students to vote. And then a small sect of students were really interested, like, okay, so like I'm registered. I've done a whole bunch of research in class with my teachers and my peers. Well, what do I do now? We're like, will you go vote? Like, are your parents going? And they're like, well, I'm not, my parents aren't going to vote. And like, could like we go together, maybe me and a few friends. And we're like, why not? So an organizer, his name is Antonio Bacon at Chicago Votes. He like came after school and like went with the students to a local polling place for them to cast their first ballot. And we were like, wait, we are on to something. If there's if this school has students who are interested in going and voting and would love to do it with their peers and like make it a cute celebration, why wouldn't everybody else? Like there has to be more students who are interested in this. Totally. And so that is the beginnings of the Parade to the Polls program with Chicago Votes. 2015, we came back. We worked with the CPS Department of Social Science and Civic Engagement and created a in-school field trip style exercise where students came together they we registered them to vote we talked about the ballot gave them a blind candidate match in case they hadn't done the research showed them like here's what the touch screen is going to look like here's what the paper is going to look like here's how you shade it in to demystify the entire process cuz like going in to maybe your elementary school, maybe your local library, and you're talking to people you've never met before and <laughs> engaging in a process that's super foreign to you. It feels like the I'd, SAT. You're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, is this a yeah. test that I didn't study? <laughs> I just, not only do we want to make sure that young people are prepared to, you know, show up confidently, we also want to make sure that they understand how to traverse the space, both physically and then like with their ballot and have everything together. So creating something that demystifies the voting process, creates comfort, and then also creates celebration, because I think there's a lot to be mad at. There's a lot to be really upset and move to action by, but there's also a lot to celebrate. Our communities are diverse and really beautiful, and we come together to support each other in such unique ways. Why can't going and voting together be one of those ways that we also celebrate our diversity, celebrate the issues that are important to us, and show up for one another in a way that is super communal? So Parade to the Polls was born. We take young people to go vote, and it's usually a physical parade. Could be on a bus, and then they parade around the neighborhood near the polling place, or it's a physical parade from their school to a ballot box with as many eligible voters. Some folks have their pep squads, They are marching bands, they invite community members to come out, they will dress up, they make posters, and the whole point is to act as a reminder to the community, not only am I taking this step, but you also can join and take the step too. So it's a unique and fun way to try to make a memorable experience so that they're more likely to do it again, and they're more likely to bring their peers with them the next time that they do it. Totally,
3: which is epic, amazing, all the things. And it is so true, like navigating the space itself. Like at least everywhere, like I voted, you're like literally like making a beeline. Like my last name is in the middle of the alphabet. So you're like making a beeline to the middle (laughs) table and then you're like wiggling through and you're like, is this my model stage? Like, am I like, how am I supposed to do this? And then Oh, I I act like it's America's Next Top Model, but I also can see how it gives people anxiety. So I think it's cool that you guys are really like walking people through the space and how these things work, because it is definitely overwhelming if you haven't done it before. And that's super, super important. But I'm also so curious, too, in terms of at the schools and registering people to vote and that sort of like in between. It's like you've registered people to vote and then actually getting them to the polls. And Like what some of those barriers are? I know you just sort of said, you know, some people, their parents aren't necessarily going, you know, what does that look like, especially for like a high school student? Because obviously a lot of people don't have cars. They might not be able to get a ride there. You know, like what are some of those barriers?
5: Some of those barriers definitely include like not... Being super aware of election times and dates, early voting, depending on where you live, when polls are open, that is a barrier because those things are not a part of our common everyday lived experience. You either have to like receive mail. I don't know if you remember being 18, but I wasn't receiving a whole bunch of mail. And that's typically how you get alerted that an election's coming up with a newly printed voter registration card with your polling place printed on the back. So if you jump around from house to house, which is a normal experience for a lot of young people, you may not get that first reminder in the mail because you're not engaging with mail in that way until you're paying bills. And hopefully 18-year-olds aren't paying bills, but that's also sometimes people's lived experience, to be very honest. Also, like how often do you get to go places on your own without a parent with you when you are 18? Like, I mean, I'm in Chicago, so young people be hopping on CTA to get to and from the school, but there often isn't just like free range movement for young people just to be able to go to a place and do a thing on a regular basis without some support there. That's also a barrier. And then having the right materials with you. Some folks may not know that the first time you cast a ballot, you have to bring an ID. And some folks think that an ID is a state ID, but in often many places, high school IDs also work. So making sure you have the right materials with you to make the magic happen is also a barrier. So there's a lot of things that folks often take for granted because we're, you know, culturally used to engaging with mail. We're used to having to traverse government websites to find information. We kind of understand you have to have an ID on you at all times for engaging with official systems like the election authorities. So a lot of these things that typically don't come natural to people and that information aren't freely shared are often missed and contribute to young people not going. Another huge element is folks not feeling super comfortable and confident and educated to make a full decision because a ballot is not just the president upcoming. Mm. Every state has different stuff, and it's a very long document. So if you even pull up a sample ballot, you may be a little overwhelmed because you don't feel like you have enough information to make an educated guest to show up, and folks don't want to like show up and only fill up half out half the test because it feels like you're failing because that's totally kind of the only thing that you can draw correlations to with a ballot is like a test. And you don't if you don't know all the answers, you don't want (laughs) to fail. So you don't show up.
4: Yeah. No, it's definitely intimidating. And there's moments even i go to vote and i'm like what is this and here in california like we have the longest ballots like maybe of all time like i think my last one was 10 to 14 pages and like this is too much you're just Um, like what is what is this what is this (laughs) when we are looking to 2024 we're also super curious like what the landscape looks like in terms of the youth vote Like how many people are eligible to vote coming into next year and coming into that to November of next year? And um, I guess how many people are registered? How many people are there to register?
5: Like, what is that landscape looking like so far? So there, I will say that it there's some very exciting information around young people and the impact that we can have in elections. Just talking about Gen Z, there's roughly 41 million young people who are going to be eligible to vote. eight million of those are first-time voters. Love a first-time voter makes me very excited. So that's Mm -hmm. like, that's eight million new possibilities. And the cool part is that young people are the most diverse electorate. It's so wonderful because that's meaning that more diverse perspectives are being added into that mix. When it comes to millennials, around 62 million millennials are going to be up as well, joining forces with the 41 million Gen Zs. So The voting power that young people have is actually like table turning, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. The opportunity for young people to come voice their opinions and move the country in a direction that they see as productive. Like we've never had this capacity before, just just from sheer numbers. And that to me is really exciting potential. Understanding that if we show up, just showing up and casting a ballot, we have the opportunity to make larger shifts than we ever have. And to me, that is so motivating. When you think about, oh, I'm just one vote, like, is is my vote going to really matter or count? Well, in this chorus, in this number, we actually, the odds are in our favor. And that these last couple elections have been the first time. And we see that through the election results in 2022, through the local elections that just happened, that like, when young people show up, us just showing up has a huge impact that you can mm-hmm. see and feel. And that to me is really motivating and creates a little bit more hope than we've had in the past few years. Totally.
4: totally. I think it's because young people understand like virality. <laughs> <We're like>, yeah. <laughs> literally your one like, your one view can make something go viral.
5: Yes. We go. That's how we can equate it. I mean, and that is such like a real person way to explain it. Like, mm-hmm. yes, one vote not very impactful but when we come together and like we band together as a community and as a generation that has very clear values that differ greatly from that of our parents and our grandparents like we love a we love a rebel story we love a, mm-hmm. a standout against against the status quo and we have the opportunity to do that like that's a really yeah. empowering place to be so i'm excited oh. for 2024 and we can see i mean like gen z turned out at a higher rate than any first-time voters ever did in 2022. And to me, I'm like, oh, that's power. That's like very clearly powerful. So I'm excited to see what happens in 2024. And I know that Gen Z is showing up and ready to go for sure.
3: Yeah, without a doubt, like super crazy. I like we're not like necessarily numbers. People were pretty bad at math, but like the some like the numbers that we do get excited for are always like the exit polls of, OK, so who showed up? What's the percentage? How much can we improve that by, you know, like where are we going to land? So that is something that after election day next year, I'll be very excited to, to see and dissect and all that. But obviously, we want to make those numbers as big as possible and I'm curious from your perspective you know what does what does that look like what does that process look like in terms of getting people ready and registered like how do we make sure that as many people as possible specifically young people are registered to vote and not just registered but actually show up
5: well the first step like you said getting folks registered and like doing it now not waiting until later and like Completely bogging down your local boards of elections with a flood of new registrations, keeping a steady drumbeat is, to me, the key to success. Uh, and ways that folks can do that is you can head send them to really awesome digital spaces like BallotReady.org or Vote.org. Or two options. I personally am a Ballot Ready girl. I use it every election cycle because it allows you to check your registration status. It sends you directly to your local boards of elections to get registered, and then also it like tells you who all your elected officials are it tells you a little snippet of what they do and then you can look at their vote record so it's like one place that everything is put into a beautiful neat package and it also allows you to engage with it outside of elections so you can like directly message your representatives from it and then when elections come around you see what seats are available and then you see every single human that's running with direct links to their own campaign websites. So you can read all of that information for yourself and become the most educated voter possible. You can even populate your entire ballot from top to bottom. So you have your own little cheat sheet, like it's an open book test here. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So I always will encourage folks to go to BallotReady.org. If you're not sure if you're registered, go there, check your registration status, get up to date, and then start doing your research early. Also, like if you are motivated, so start, start having more conversations with your friends and family if you're an organizer let's start meeting young people where they're at and we know young people are at schools they are at local events and festivals like you can start being an organizer yourself go out get some registration forms and start registering your peers to vote um be an ambassador for that process because if you if somebody you trust and helps you navigate it you're more likely to feel comfortable and you're more likely to engage more fully and actually turn out and vote and make that magic happen. So starting the drumbeat early and then also like providing folks with really clear resources to help them engage with the process more intimately is two ways that you can at least start it now so that folks are ready and excited and feel prepared come November next year. Yeah. Totally.
3: Which guys just reminds me the worst test that I like, like the worst grade I ever got was on an open note note test. How? Like I don't know. And it was like earth science. Like it was like an elective I had to take in college. (laughs) And somehow I managed like, I mean, it wasn't like the world's ending, like worst grade of like society kind of situation, but it was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I got this. Like it's open note. And I (laughs) overconfident, totally (laughs) overconfident. So not to From, you know, that, you know, analogy, it's totally on point. just don't follow my confidence. (laughs) I prepare too. So that's... Maybe look at their notes
5: again the night
3: before. Well, Ballot Ready will put your
4: your cheat sheet together for you, basically. So there you go. You don't have to do too Mm -hmm. too much homework. But I was curious too, if you can expand a little bit on like why it's so important to register early, especially like when looking at some of these states across the country who like have certain rules and laws in place that make it harder to register the closer you get to election. And there's just all these rules and all of these things that make it really, really complicated and not easy. So can you kind of like just emphasize and like expand on, you know, why, say, if you're in Mississippi, like why you need to like really be on top of it?
5: Yes. So depending on where you are, it really does range what you have access to. Some folks have access to pre-registration, which means like if you are not yet a voting age, you can pre-register to vote with your local election authority so that when your 18th birthday comes around, it's on autopilot. It's like a bill. It's automatically done for you and you'll get your voter registration card in the mail. So that's like your sig- your sign that you are set and ready to go. If you get that nifty little card stock with your polling place on the back that's kind of how you know that you are officially registered to vote um some folks have pre-registration i encourage folks to take full advantage of it i think it's it demystifies and makes easy the registration process you don't even have to think about it or if you i i'm a person that likes to create celebrations when i turned 18 i registered to vote on my 18th birthday and felt very empowered by that but i'm very mm-hmm. nerdy if you're not like me that's totally okay <laughs> i'm a total I nerd i was like Impressed. i'm so excited i'm going to register to vote and also it was 2008 when i turned 18 so it was it meant something a little different for me to show yeah. up and also i'm a november baby i'm a november 7th baby so i'm an election baby i was born on wow. a So like, it's just, that's incredible. I joke that election serendipity of that. Right. So I'm like, Ooh, I registered to vote and was ready to rock and roll like very early on, which was really exciting. But typically you have to be registered something around like 30 days. It, It varies from state to state. I'm in Illinois. It's 28 days before an election. You have to be registered at your, at the place that you live at. And if you don't have same day registration like that is the big barrier that you need to have front of mind and why registering to vote as soon as possible is so important because if you hit that one month mark you may not be eligible to vote in that upcoming election based on where you live so paying clear attention to what your local elections require to be registered and the dates they give you are really important. If you live in a place like Colorado, Oregon or Illinois, we have something called like same day voter registration, meaning that you can show up the same day of an election and register to vote and cast a ballot at the same time. Uh, Depending on where you live, early voting will also include that. So you can show up anywhere from like two weeks until an election, show up to a local polling location, register and vote. To do that though, you have to keep in mind that you will need a, Two forms of ID, one that like matches your face and one that matches your residence or where you live at. So like a bill and like a school ID to be able to register to vote if especially if it's your first time voting, you will also have to bring an ID to the polling place. So like, as young people are getting ready to go, those are also a few things you need to keep in your back pocket to know if you're not registered to vote, and you're using same day, you're going to need an ID and a piece of mail, like a formal mail. So with like a bank statement, a cell phone bill, or a high school transcript, you can go to your local counselor and get a copy of your transcript that is an official document, and you can use that to register to vote. Same thing for college students as well. If you're not receiving a whole bunch of mail, you can use your school's information that they give you as a valid form of ID to register and vote same day, which is really great. But keeping in mind that in some states, like here in Illinois, If you register, if you use same day voter registration, sometimes you may be given a provisional ballot um, and provisional ballots just mean that they have to confirm that you are actually an eligible voter before your vote is counted. So just based off of that, your information will not be counted until after the election. So like that night when you're watching TV and all of the results are coming in, your vote is not counted in that number. Yours is counted later. And so Mm -hmm. for that reason, we always are like, you want to be registered ahead of time. (laughs) You want all of that taken care of so that, you know that when you're watching TV on election night, that your vote is in that number, for sure, without a doubt. Uh, and that's that's the foolproof way to make sure that your vote is counted. So there's a lot of ways to get registered. You can either like do it way ahead and get pre-registered. You can register by the normal deadline outlined by your state. And depending on if you have the option, you even can wait until election day to register and vote. But if you do that, you may get a provisional ballot, meaning your vote's counted later. So we always recommend doing it ahead of time.
3: Yeah, I'm curious in terms of advice for especially like college students. I mean, this up with high school too. On election day, so you have same day registration and you're trying to like get everyone to go to the polls and you're finding out, okay, this person isn't registered. This person isn't registered, but like, let's get them there. Like, how would you like advise like a conversation like that to go? Like, how would you say like, you can like sort of get your friends that aren't registered that day to like get to the polls? Like, what's that motivation look like?
5: For me, it's always focusing on issues that move people to a ballot box. We all know that like I've you said in like your last couple of podcasts that young people don't often like all the candidates that are available to them. They're, you're not going to find someone that, you know, meets all your requirements, but you can get at least like, what, 60 to 80% there. And so instead of trying to focus on the humans and exciting people around a person, it's way easier to motivate folks if it's an issue that is tied to someone's direct lived experience. So I often will be like, what is something that is directly impacting you or a family member right now that like is really front of mind to you that's keeping you up at night because there's usually a political issue at the root of that concern it could be access to health care it could be access to a job it could be paying back your student loans there are always something that like is directly in someone's lived experience that can connect to an issue that could bring someone to the ballot box. So finding that issue and connecting it to that that current election and showing that like it's really important that you show up mm-hmm. If if it's not for mm-hmm. the president, if it's not for your local representative, then it's going to be for you need to know how these people fall on issues that directly impact you. And then let's vote for that reason, not for the specific human, because what we're going to do is we're going to hold them accountable to those issues after the fact Mm -hmm. and we're gonna this is not a election day and step away situation this is like a 24 7 365 situation where we hold folks accountable to the promises that they make when they're campaigning and then hold them to the responsibilities they have to the people that they represent so that that is how i connect folks to voting in in an election it's over the issues over the the people 90 percent of the time for me
4: i love that that's such good advice Well, thinking about voter plans, can you kind of give a breakdown of really like what's in a voter plan and like why it's so important? Like those logistics are so important, and like you said, like the way you also like physically move to and in like a polling place. Can you kind of break that down and like how you go about making a good voter plan?
5: Yeah, it's not dissimilar to like going to the gym for me. Some people. Boy, oh my god <laughs> that's so it some yes. people really like going to the gym it is a natural part of their everyday experience it's just mm-hmm. autopilot pack my gym bag i'm going in the morning i get up at 5 a.m or i go directly after work and it's something that's just a part of their everyday experience and some folks like me it's like oh i just missed the exit to <laughs> go to the gym. Oh no, I just got to go tomorrow. So when it comes to making a plan, it's like being prepared and understanding all of the logistics and all of the little steps it takes to getting there that will make you more likely to do it. So, and but also the issue part, like I mentioned before is to me, like the last cherry on top, the really important part, but a vote plan is basically just thinking about, okay, it's election day. When am I going to go and vote? Am I going to go in the morning? Am I going to take a break from work? Because legally, everyone gets two hours to go vote. Don't forget that. Or am I going to go after? Okay, I've, I've picked the time of day, but I'm going to go vote. Okay, how am I physically going to get there? Am I walking to my local polling place? Because typically polling places are within close distance to your home. Am I going to take the bus there? Am I a public transit girly? We love a public transit human being? Am I going to ride my bike? Am I going to drive my car? How am I physically going to get from my home or work to the local polling place. And then do I have all my information? Have I done my research? Do I feel like I'm gonna pass this test when I get there? So I I make sure to download my ballot ready because most of my polling places are in schools and they're made of like a lot of cinder blocks and cement, hard to get internet connection there. So I make sure that I have my ballot like on my phone or printed out so I have all the information. And then from there, you take all that information together and that creates your vote plan. It's a who, what, when, where, and how checklist Mm -hmm. to making sure you have everything you need and have it all planned out and in your calendar for you to actually go and get registered to vote. But to me, I like sit and ground myself and okay, even if I have my gym vet packed and it's in my car and like, I know that I'm going to go at 6 p.m. because the polls close at seven, I have to be in line by seven and I have my ballot downloaded. Like what's going to make me turn off the highway? What's going to make me like pop off Lakeshore Drive so that I go to my local polling place and I like root myself and like, okay, I am voting because this issue is really important to me. And if I don't show up for this, like I'm not showing up for the people that I care about and the ways that I want to, So like, I need to remember that when I see my exit, this exit isn't just for me, it's for my people. It's for the people I care about because I want to see this element of my life get better or this element of my loved one's life get better so that I actually turn off and go to the gym or go to my local elementary school so I can go vote. So to me, those elements come together to create the perfect vote plan.
3: So
5: good. All of it. So good.
3: Well, I'm curious in terms of how you prepare, how do you find out info about candidates? Like what's your you know sort of secret sauce in terms of that research process? because also some candidates it's super easy to find info at. You're like, okay, how many articles I've got? Like there aren't enough hours in the day to dissect like a <laughs> <Yes>. particular person <laughs> and then you'll get to a certain, you know race like school board is so notorious for this and you're like, I literally don't know which person is which. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you learn about them? And also, what are your tools to for those candidates and those races where you're like, there's barely any info about them?
5: Yes. Um, so for, like I said, I use Ballot Ready, um, and that's usually my one stop shop. But if I'm still wanting for information, I head over to Ballotpedia because it also provides just like general information, and it will also link you to relevant articles and campaign websites as well that will give you a little bit more information so you feel a little bit more confident. Uh, but when it gets down to like you mentioned the down ballots uh f- for us here in Chicago it's the judges you have like 60 judges on your ballot and you're like who are these people I don't I literally have never heard of these humans before. I might have seen their face on a little sign in the middle of like the fairway. I'm not sure though. For me, I look for local organizations that do that work to demystify it for me so for example in chicago it's injustice watch they do an amazing voter guide chicago Appleseed. they do a wonderful judicial voter guide as well so and those are typically folks that are looking at bar association recommendations to provide like this is how they show up at work every day <laughs> Mm, so it gives you like that day-to-day information so i typically will try to find a local organization just from my googles like chicago bar association recommendations and it will populate some spaces for you to go to and navigate so understanding some key things like local like you know your ward i know that's hard (laughs) that's really hard (laughs) know your ward know your district so like you may have to look up like Milwaukee City Council districts, find Mm -hmm. your district, and then look up your local school, like my local school, uh, Kenwood Academy, Kenwood Academy School Board, and start doing the start doing the good old thing. It's a lot of research. It is I admit it, but it's for good purpose. And I swear, it's worth it. Also, a lot of times for the really small elections, those humans will be at your polling place, they will physically be there. I walked up to my local school council race. And I think there was five folks on the ballot. Three of them were standing outside. So Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to like shake their hand and talk to them and ask them the issues that I really cared about and get their real time responses to me.
3: That is like the attitude to have when I see them. I'm literally like, Oh my God, I'm such a people pleaser. I'm like, don't be mad at me that I'm not voting for you. Don't see me like that kind of reaction because I'm like don't be mad I'm like they don't even know who I am like it's not they don't know who I'm voting for but That's I feel Samantha, like they know Samantha Ting <laughs> just the anxiety like I
4: feel like it's
5: help. it's like speed dating for me mm-hmm. I'm like Ooh, how do you okay. feel about How do you feel? I I think what was the question I asked my local school council. It was talking about removing school resource officers or police from the school, and it was a high school. So it was like a contentious back and forth between the local school council, parents, the PTA, teachers and students. So it was like a very for like a democracy purpose of a very rich conversation. You just like don't think that this is happening on the local level, but it is. So I had a really unique opportunity to talk to three of the candidates and be like, how do you feel about the school resource officer situation? And if they did not match what I wanted, I'm like, I appreciate that you are like hyper invested in local democracy. I think this is really important. It's super clear that you care about community. I love that for you and for us, but Mm -hmm. you are not my candidate. But yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and then um, keep it. Yeah. I just like kept it thank moving. I'm next. like, thank you. Yes, exactly. So yeah. I think that I, I conceptualize it and try not to feel bad because everyone's showing up for speed dating and we kind of understand what the rules of engagement are. And like, if this three minute conversation doesn't go well, it's on to the next one. Like, thank you so much for your time. It was yeah. nice to get to know you, but no, it's not good for me. Oh. And finding the right human for that is super important. So, like, taking really the time right. to have the conversation and not feeling like I'm obligated to you in some way, shape, form, or fashion because you gave me your elevator pitch. Don't worry about it. Don't worry <laughs> exactly. about it. You're
4: so right. And I'm honestly, try and, talking, like embody this. <laughs> talking about politics on a first date is something we're very used to, so that really That's just, true. just that that aligns. Well, also curious too about doing the doing the candidate research and doing just like the ballot research in general is is one thing, but there's kind of another like deeper layer to it, which is like actually understanding what the roles actually are. That's something we're chipping away at here at Girl in the Gov. Just kind of understanding like what even is a Secretary of State, and what am I even looking for of like what values or you know policies and issues that they that they stand on so i don't know i'm curious if you have any tips of kind of really understanding kind of the deeper civic part of your ballot and all the roles and like what they do because that is like a mission in itself and again a bigger a
5: bigger one that we're chipping away at as well that like i mentioned uh, about pd does a really great job to me that's like for my political brain i love how they break down like this is what this role does and the areas of government they have jurisdiction over because often like we'll send a voter guide to a secretary of state and they're like i don't actually have the ability to weigh in on half of these things mm-hmm. but i appreciate that you want to engage me and i'm going to like answer these questions the best that I can, because they still want to be a part of a voter guide or still want to reach the same demographics that we reach out to. So I I use ballotpedia as a place to be like, what does this human do? And when it comes to the areas of government that they have oversight over, that's when I can like zero in. I'm okay, how do I feel about, for example, a treasurer, like investing funds? That seems mm-hmm. like scary. Like, yeah. okay, if I were a human, just me, where would I want my tax funds to be invested? Do I want them go to corporations or do I want them to go to other places? And then Mm -hmm. being able to take it from that real human place to be able to like, okay, so this person wants to invest city funds here. I agree with that or I don't agree with that. To me, that's an easier way to demystify the process of understanding what their role is and what they have jurisdiction over. So I can laser focus in on the issues that they have jurisdiction over just like, how they personally feel as a politician about a thing that has really nothing to do with their job for real. It's And it's like hard to understand. So whenever I've been working with like high school students, I often will be like, okay, what's the difference between a treasurer and for example, a clerk. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between like someone who has access to the money and someone who like has access to all the records and be able to be like this person, is like a glorified note taker but like also has (laughs) not to oversimplify but like they are the ones who are in charge of all the records and making everything super public and this person's in charge of like knowing how much money there is and making sure that we're investing it in places that like make us money in ways that we agree with so like understanding those things and breaking them down is a little difficult i will name that and we don't make it very easy but Mm -hmm. there are some resources like valopedia that help make that process a little bit easier to understand Totally. Especially
3: I think it's like the admission of like where people stand on certain issues. I think with certain candidates, for example, you can really understand where someone's at. Maybe personally, like when they say yes to abortion or no to abortion, but there are certain roles where they can't say any of it. And you're like, OK, well, if I can't understand where you stand on my main issue, like how am I supposed to have a grasp of like, what you do and what that result will be and how they'll engage with other, you know, parts of government. I think it can get super overwhelming, but I kind of love the idea of an analogy like guide, like you're describing of like, okay, this is a glorified note taker. Like (laughs) this person does that. You know what I mean? Like just to really like make it so easy and have those comparisons. Cause I think that's so helpful to understand like, okay, like what is this in my like day-to-day life? Like who would this be? Like, what is that role? Or like, mm-hmm. if I'm on, I don't know, like the lacrosse team, like this would be the captain. This would be yep. the the water person. I don't even know. I haven't played sports in so long, but whatever <laughs> roles still happen water on the team, the water person. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. No guys, at my high school, people would like literally die to be the water person. They were like, so excited because they got to put it on their college applications Stop. and say they're on the team and they, they got the t-shirts, like everything. It was, it was a whole situation.
5: No, I feel you. I was the stats person for one season for my school's volleyball team. And it's funny because the teach the coach was actually my math teacher. And they were like, mm, so I don't really think you should be the one. Based on your grades and the fact that you have a tutor, you shouldn't be, and the stats are just all right, girl. They're not right. So I got <laughs> I got fired pretty quickly from that. But that's I was hilarious. a part of the team. I was mm-hmm. out here, you know, Thank with my little tally sheets doing it wrong. So I feel like
3: <laughs> go I when I love it. Wait, that's hilarious. incredible. Don't worry. I was like also bad at stats and I had to like retake it in college because I had a math requirement. It was oh. A nightmare. And my professor did not speak English at all. So I'm terrible at math. I'm terrible at stats. Like geometry, I can kind of get my head around. But like stats, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't compute. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what's happening. I I don't know how I passed that class. It was honestly like a miracle of God. Like that is all I can
5: even put it in and now you're here but
4: we're here so yeah
3: now we're here. <laughs> you made it you still made it regardless
4: made it out mm-hmm. the
5: mud <laughs> the math
3: mud uh craziness well we do want to do sort of like a quick little roundup of like what you would say is for lack of a better term what you would say. so what you would okay. say is i'm gonna work on that Guys, i need some more coffee what yeah, you would like say the grammars Laurel. Laurel. yeah yeah <laughs> so if you yeah. have a friend that says like well my vote doesn't matter what would you say to that person
5: I would say your vote doesn't matter to who mm-hmm. and have them answer it. Like, who does, who are we talking about? Cause like your vote matters to me. You're my friend. I care about you. Are you mm-hmm. saying that my vote doesn't matter to you? Like, instead of like facing the issue towards like this big ambiguous system, connecting mm-hmm. a vote to other people besides the politicians in power. Cause to me, voting is like the first step in civic engagement. It's the foot in the door. It is not the culminating action. It's the beginning action of somebody investing in the people around them and their community and what they want and the things that they want to see. If you're hanging out with like a logical or a money person being like, well, have you looked at your pay stub recently? I live in Mm -hmm. Chicago, almost like 30% of my income is going somewhere. And I want to at least, even if they're like, especially in today's day and age, like my tax money is not being used in the ways that I want it to be used. And there's not a whole lot you can really do about that outside of staying on your elected officials and making your opinions super clear through your vote. That is like the whole process. That's why we live in this democracy. So at bare minimum, what I can do is show up and like give my 10 cents. That is what Mm -hmm. this process is about. And then after that, I can stay on you and I'm going to stay on you. So for me, when a friend says like, I don't vote, or my my vote doesn't count, I was like, your vote counts to me. Mm -hmm. And it counts to our community, because you voting and your tax dollars are like, why the school next to my house is shut down. Like, there's so many real life ramifications of politics on our life that like you can't ignore it and so like when i'm voting i'm voting for my community i'm voting for the people i care about and so like if you don't want to vote because you don't really vibe with the humans who are in power like me too and i'm not voting for them i'm voting for me and the people i care about so i yeah let's do this together and at bare minimum we let them know that like I voted for this referendum because I think that women should have the right to choose. And I'm not going to let anybody get my voice confused in all of this noise.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all my friends, I'm like, it matters every time you complain about how much money gets taken out of your your monthly payments like that's a lot like it's it's a lot and then you're like like... i wish i just knew where it went i'm like that's literally what voting is
5: that's what we're doing that's literally what we're doing here here today i will pick you up at three o'clock we're going
4: exactly (laughs) i have a solution for you okay next one is just i don't vote like for kind of the like non-politicals of the world curious what a good response and dialogue is there
5: I feel like such an organizer because I'm always like conditioned to answer a question with a question. You're like, I don't vote. Why? Smart though. I just want to know why, because there's like a variety of reasons why somebody could not vote. It could be like, I'm taking a principled stance. It could be, I've just like never done it before. So you don't really know how to address the issue unless you like know what the issue is. So my first, my first question is, okay, well, why not? Let's dive into why if it is the first question of like, I don't vote because I don't think it matters. Like we can go down like, okay, let's connect it to an issue or to your community. If it is I just have never done it before. And I'm not like super comfortable. i be like, oh, cool. Well, like that's, that's totally fine. Can we at least get you registered? So in case you feel oh, so moved closer to election day, you still have the option because voter being registered to vote is just giving you the option doesn't actually require you to do anything. So that also takes the pressure out of this, this situation when you get into a conversation. Cause I know that like some folks could be feel really cornered by being asked, like, do you vote? Oh, why not? Like, that's a, let's not, let's not make people feel attacked. Let's let them feel empowered to have an open-ended conversation. Cause it's easier to like compel somebody to action if you like know for real why. Mm -hmm. So that that's usually my first step is like asking them why, and then validating their experience. Like if it's because I voted and the election still didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to being like that happens a mm-hmm. lot more often than not. But let's talk about the importance of like regularly showing up and consistently showing up for your community, even though things don't turn out the way that you want to. And then pointing folks to other ways outside of voting, they can also still be involved. And if like the person that you wanted didn't get into office, the person who did get into office is still required to represent to. you. Mm -hmm. It's literally their job. So like, you don't like that person? Cool. Let's talk about engaging with this human in a way that is going to be empowering to you, regardless of like the outcomes of the election. Uh, So that's typically how I would handle that question.
3: I'm obsessed. And I think that's so pertinent because after the midterms, we had a lot of, you know, comments on our TikToks and also just seeing other content as well of young people in very quote unquote red states, you know, obviously there's the argument of like, what's red, what's not as a voter suppressed, all of that, putting that into like one bucket being like, well, I voted and it still didn't matter. We didn't even come close. Like, why did I vote? And I think it's this huge barrier for young people sometimes where it's like, they see one that doesn't work out and then they sort of like pull away. They're like, okay, well then what difference is, is it making? And like, to me, I'm very much like, well, if you don't run, you can't win. And you have to keep trying, keep trying until you do win and making like those changes. But I think I also like live in a very blue area. So like for me, it's harder to, I just don't have the same experience, you know, and I don't have the same like fears of being in a red area or a red state where things are so compromising. And so I'm curious if there's also anything to sort of like wrap it up like that you would like use as like a motivator to be like, don't lose hope. Like you can you can still make change even if your candidate like doesn't win or your party or the issues that you see, you know, are just not coming across the the way you want. Just Because um, there's
4: a goalie doesn't mean you can't shoot
5: ooh, sports, sports. sports. Oh, sports. Look at us. <laughs> we play the sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's I love that analogy. And it also circles back to how we started the conversation. I'm like the odds are in our favor right now. Like mm-hmm. let's Like, we are so inundated with like, oh, this election, like, I'm not even going to give power to specific names, but like, there's a lot riding on this election and like, it's not looking good or I'm really nervous. It's like, okay. But like, at the end of the day, young people statistically are going to be able to make this decision and you get Mm -hmm. to be a part of that. And that's pretty awesome. Like, yeah, young people by and large, this is the most progressive generation that's ever been eligible to vote. And -hmm. we're adding 8 million of them. It's giving like Austin Powers 8 million of them. Like this is this, if we've ever been able to win or had like been predicted to win, this is the time. So like, let's lean into that and see what we can do. Let's just see. I know that like, if you live in a red state, this is hard, but you showing up and voting your values still has a benefit. It's still going to benefit, Mm -hmm. especially because like you still are making your voice heard. And then after these folks are elected, you can still be on them after that to still try to get the issues that you want at the forefront of what they're doing even in your home state like you still have the ability to voice your opinions you still have the ability to be heard and we have the highest probability of winning if we just show up so let's let's just see what we can do let's just try i always say it's a
4: long game i think that's always just such a forgotten aspect of politics in general and people want that immediate you know instant gratification and that's just not necessarily how the system works And, you know, but we've seen really awesome results in the past couple of years from Georgia to some crazy movement in like Mississippi, like these things are possible and, um, it just takes like time and chipping away and like people to stay engaged and stay into it and not lose hope. So yeah,
5: look at what just happened in Ohio. Like that was amazing. Like Mm -hmm. you can't tell me young people didn't do that. You can't tell me that. So it's like, we have the odds in our favor. Like let's see what we can really do to see how far we can push. Cause Mm -hmm. we love a rebel narrative. We all like, Oh no, (laughs) we are going to make our grandparents so unhappy. Like let's (laughs) turn up in 2024 and see what we can do to make people as unhappy as possible.
4: Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. And I think such like a, great breakdown with all the analogies and all the the things and the answers and the responses to people like super super helpful and I feel like just the answers that we all need especially as we go into like this kind of daunting election year so thank you
5: thank you nice. no we can do it we've got this this is 2024 oh, is sure. our election and I'm really excited for it so thank you for me giving me an opportunity to brag about young people and mm-hmm. the power that we are about to take in 2024 I'm speaking into existence. Oh yeah. Amen to that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it coming and chatting with y'all. Y'all always so lively and just like This is how I talk to my friends about politics. So it's so Mm -hmm. wonderful and refreshing that there is a space where people can tune in and feel like they're talking to their friends about politics, because that is really, to me, a huge element about becoming more comfortable with your political self and learning how to show up in ways that you want to. So I think that the space that you hold is super important. Thank you so much.
4: And you're so good at it. And I literally just learned so much about Mm -hmm. how to talk to my friends as well. So thank you.
3: (laughs)